0: Hey, it's me, Overreactor. Welcome back to another episode of Official Time Out, the podcast all about the rules of roller derby. This is the place to come to learn more about all the ins and outs of how the sport is played. So welcome back. And I do want to tell you, right now it is June of 2019 and this summer is going to be especially cuckoo, crazy, busy, awesome for me. And um, I am directing a musical, The Fantastics, if you're familiar with that. It's one of my favorites, and so I'll be directing that this summer. In light of all that, my plan is to pre-record a lot of episodes and just, like, schedule them to air every Monday so that I can remain consistent. So in doing such, I will not be playing a lot of games in the beginning of the episodes anymore. (laughs) Some of you may be super bummed about that, and some of you may be like, thank goodness, that just get to the rules already, ovary. Like, come on, get to the rules. But for today, I do want to share with you guys one story that um, I got from an announcer named Tommy Riggins, and... I want to share that with you because I think it's so exciting that Tommy took the time to write in. Thank you, Tommy. And it's really fun. Okay, so here's what Tommy has to say. He says, catching up with your show now. I popped hearing Aggie Battery's name. I sometimes introduce her as one of the few people who's been in Derby longer than all of us. 2006 for me. I appreciate your podcast because I'm one of those announcers who, even if given the opportunity to announce the WFTDA championship game, I would still mention one point for each opposing blocker they pass, (laughs) etc. From 2010 to 2017, I shot, produced, and then voiced over Jackson's game for the local TV station I worked for, and my boss was adamant, rightly so, that I explain everything. You never know who's watching for the first time or who may need a refresher. That said, I was totally in my element when JRDA live streamed the World Cup games on Twitch, though apparently we weren't fast enough for all the, what's this, posts in the viewer chat. I totally wanted to say, calm your fingertips and we'll tell you, but the keyboard was too far away. <laughs> anyway, for me... I am enjoying this pass-er trip (laughs) through the rule book for all the clarifications and, heck, different ways to express things. I will never have the referee or competitor experience or point of view. So hearing all this in a non-game, unrushed manner is quite valuable. Stand by. And then he links to his website, which is StandbyTommy.com. Tommy, thank you so much for writing in to tell me what you do and your experience with this podcast. And I... Didn't think of it like that before you wrote in that it is really nice to just listen to the rules when you're not like in the element of like, wait, what's this happening? What's that happening? Because in the heat of the moment, everything is going so stinking fast that it's almost too hard to explain what just happened before the next crazy thing happens. I know for me, I like studied these so hard and I still am like really working hard to like understand all the ins and outs. And it can be complicated, and there's so many things to take into account. So even reading it until you see that situation happen in gameplay, it's like it takes a while to get that experience to have it click. And in fact, this uh past bout I just raft yesterday, I was the outside pack referee, OPR, for a non-sanctioned bout. And Scruff McDuff was the head referee and he was on the inside. And There was a situation where one of the skater's toe stops fell off, like, in the middle of a jam, and it's, you know, rolling through the grounds and everything, and I wasn't even quite sure what to do, and the skater herself, like, went back, retrieved the toe stop, and carried it in her hand for the rest of the jam. I will say, I know Scruff saw the whole situation happen, he didn't call anything, I'm thinking, I'm not confident that this is an equipment violation, because I don't recall anything about toe stops. So after the jam, I quickly went in, and I was like, what was up? Was that equipment violation? And he explained to me very quickly something about toe stops not being one of those required elements, and the skater did retrieve it quickly from the track, so it was not a hazard. And if anything, the skater could have been called on out of play, but she returned in play very promptly when called, and And so, no penalty was warranted in that situation. So, even little things like that, I could have read that scenario a hundred times, but until I saw it in action, it didn't register to me. And for the record, I don't know and cannot reference if or where that takes place. But um, I trust Scruff, and he is a level two certified ref now. Congratulations! And so, um, I'm learning as I go, guys, for realsy pie. Like, let's do this. Let's do it together. I'm doing the best I can, and I'll tell you all of my experiences as we go along. So all that being said, Tommy, yes, it is nice for me even to like talk about the rules and have this time that I've committed to continuing my own education for Derby in a very unrushed environment where we can talk through it. And I say we, but I can talk through it and you guys can let me know your feedback <laughs> and, uh, and I'm really having a good time with it. The the continuing education of sports officials, announcers, non-skating officials, um, skaters, fans is like really important to me. I I'm very passionate about this. So I'm um, excited to do this. And I'm glad you enjoy it. Okay, so those kinds of story intros may not happen in the future. If there's something cool that happens to come up that I can add to an episode beforehand. Awesome. If not, here on out, we're going straight into the rule book. It's gonna be, you know, just hey, here's the rules and just know that it's me posting them back to back and um, not back to back, but that I'm scheduling them from here on out to cover the entire summer. And if there's any kind of clarification, I absolutely will do some kind of quick little at least midweek clarification thing, you know, to fix anything that happened in the past or whatever. So all right, let's go ahead and pick up where we left off. And this would be in section 4.1.2 of the WFTDA rulebook. And this can be found at WFTDA.com. All right. Section 4.1.2. Impact with an illegal blocking zone. Making contact with an illegal blocking zone should be penalized based on the impact it has on the target. See section 2.4.2. Using an illegal blocking zone also has sufficient impact to warrant a penalty if the contact puts an opponent significantly off balance or significantly alters their trajectory or speed, for example, significantly holding them back. Illegal blocking zones include head down to the collarbone, forearm from the point of the elbow to the fingertips, legs from below mid-thigh to the wheels of the skate. For safety reasons, any forceful contact initiated with the head or neck, intentional use of the head or neck to positionally block, or intentional and forceful jabbing with elbows or strikes with knees should be penalized regardless of impact. Forearms are considered a legal blocking zone when they are held close to the initiator's torso. You can see figure 4.2 for legal blocking zones, and I do have a picture of this on my Instagram as well, and my Instagram is ovary underscore actor. Okay, we're going to move to the casebook scenarios for section 4.1.2, impact with an illegal blocking zone, right after this quick break. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the casebook scenarios associated with section 4.1.2. This would be regarding impact with an illegal blocking zone. Here's the rule. Making contact with an illegal blocking zone should be penalized based on the impact it has on the target. You can see section 2.4.2 for that, and the origin is from section 4.1. Scenario C4.1.2.A. Red jammer initiates a block with their forearms tucked into their torso to a legal target zone of white blocker. White blocker is knocked out of bounds. The outcome, no penalty. The rationale. Red jammer's forearms were fully tucked into their torso. While forearms are an illegal blocking zone, tucking them into the torso effectively makes them part of the torso and thus a legal blocking zone. Scenario C4.1.2.B White blocker initiates a block against red jammer using their upper arm against a legal target zone the natural momentum of the impact causes additional contact sliding down to white blocker's elbow red jammer ends up out of bounds as a result of the action the outcome no penalty the rationale white blocker used their upper arm to initiate a block red jammer's loss of position was a result of a block from a legal blocking zone and not the additional contact that resulted in the and not the additional contact that resulted from the momentum of the impact Both examples are legal play. Keep in mind, many legal blocks include incidental or meaningless contact using an illegal blocking zone or to an illegal target zone. If the illegal contact does not have further impact, no penalty should be assessed. Scenario C4.1.2.C. White jammer is stuck behind a red wall. They push forward but cannot find a way to break through. They drive their knee into Red Blocker's buttocks. Red Blocker stumbles but does not go down or out. White Jammer fails to break through the wall. The Outcome White Jammer is penalized. The Rationale A skater who intentionally and forcibly jabs an opponent with their elbow or strikes with their knee should receive a penalty regardless of whether it leads to a loss of position or advantage. This action is unsafe and unsporting. Keep in mind, the fact that this action was intentional is only part of the reason a penalty is warranted. Intentional, illegal action is not always penalized, even though it is tactically unsporting. Unintentional actions designed to harm an opponent should always be penalized. Scenario C4.1.2.D As White Jammer advances, Red Blocker is knocked off balance and into White Jammer's path bending over, and positionally placing their head in front of White Jammer. White Jammer comes to a complete stop to avoid contact with Red Blocker's head. The outcome. No penalty. The rationale. Though White Jammer lost significant momentum as a result of Red Blocker's positional block with an illegal blocking zone, their head, unintentional positional blocking with the head does not warrant a penalty. Keep in mind, if red blocker had intentionally presented their head in order to slow white jammers' momentum or continued to use the threat of harm to their own head as a barrier, red blocker should be penalized for unsafe and unsporting conduct. Scenario C4.1.2.E White blocker is knocked off balance and grabs hold of red blocker's jersey in an attempt to regain their balance. Red blocker remains standing, but is significantly slowed by the pulling at their jersey. White blocker regains their balance. The outcome, white blocker is penalized. The rationale, assists taken from an opponent, such as whips or braces, are penalized if they result in some kind of advantage for the initiator or disadvantage for the opponent. White blocker significantly slowed red blocker by using an illegal blocking zone. Scenario C4.1.2.F. White pivot attempts to join the other white blockers, but is held back by a wall of red blockers. White pivot wiggles past red blocker on the outside line, using their forearms on those red blockers to hold themselves in bounds. The outcome. White pivot is penalized. Rationale. White Pivot gained superior position to Red Blocker by using their forearms to remain in bounds during an action that would have otherwise taken them out of bounds. Keep in mind, the fact that White Pivot's forearms were used to keep them in bounds is not why this warrants a penalty. Rather, it was that maintaining in bounds status resulted in a gain of position. Scenario C4.1.2.G Red Jammer has passed all but the foremost White Blocker. White Blocker faces clockwise with their arms outstretched and initiates a block against Red Jammer with the entirety of their arm, upper arm, elbow, and forearm. Red Jammer is not knocked down, but they are brought to a stop. The outcome, White Blocker is penalized. Rationale. Though Red Jammer did not lose position, their progress was significantly impeded by illegal blocking zones. Keep in mind, if white blocker had dropped their forearm and elbow as soon as contact was made, no penalty should be called. It was the prolonged impact of the forearm and the elbow that made the action penalizable. Penalizable. That made the action penalizable. Penalizable. I don't think I've ever said the word penalizable before. Penalizable. That's not right. Penalizable. Penalizable. Hmm, that's a tricky one. I really like to pronounce words properly, and I do stumble over words a lot, especially because a lot of times when I'm recording this podcast, it's like, at the end of the day, and blah, 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 but I really don't know how to pronounce this word. Penalizable. You guys can hang tight with me while I Google it. This actually was the final casebook scenario for that section, so it'll be fine. Pronunciation. Okay, well, here's how to pronounce penalize. Penalize or penalize. Sounds like it's penalize or penalize. So I'd imagine it's penalizable or penalizable. All right. So there we have it. That is the end of section 4.1.2 and all of the casebook scenarios associated with that. And I am going to go ahead and end it here It's going to be a shorter episode, one, because I'm busy, and two, because I want to, and (laughs) that's how it's going to go today. Um, All right, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you like this podcast, would you please share it? Like, tell your league mates about it. Tell your friends about it. If you have new recruits, point them here if you feel like this might be a good resource for them to learn more about the rules as they're going through the skater training programs and stuff that your league offers. And feel free to reach out and send me an email. I am going to be posting episodes every Monday. And you can email me at overreactor at gmail.com. That's O-V-A-R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at ovary underscore actor and there is a Facebook page I made. I may have mentioned it before and it's basically just every time I post to Instagram I just make it go to Facebook as well so it's not like you're going to get anything there that you don't get on Instagram but the name of that page is OT with Overreactor because I wasn't allowed to say, like, anything official. Like, it wouldn't let me say official timeout. So it's a little funny, but in general, I feel like if you just, like, search overreactor, you'll find it. (laughs) Okay, you guys, I hope you're all having so much fun, and definitely send me your stories, your derby story, of why you love roller derby and what it's done for your life. Send me stories of something really awesome that's happened that you saw or some tricky situation that you saw. If you have seen any just like stinking awesome thing that happened in roller derby, send me a voice memo and you can email me. You can comment on my Instagram, send me a direct message, whatever, whatever. And you guys, this is so much fun. I look forward to talking at you next Monday. Goodbye.